0: Happy Lent, I guess I don't usually use those two words together, happy and Lent. You know, Lent traditionally is a time of self-reflection, a time of, of questioning, asking ourselves questions about who we are, who we're becoming, if we're being faithful to God, and how it is with our soul. And those are hard questions to wrestle with but it's good. God is good. And through such times as self-examination, we can often find ourselves drawing ever nearer to the very heart of God, which is so good, so happy Lent. Today, I'm beginning a new series of sermons entitled 20 Questions. These 20 questions are historic questions that come from John Wesley, the founder of the Methodist Church, who in the early 1700s created this list of questions for his small group, his community group, what he called his Holiness Club. These questions were questions that participants wrestled with as they worked upon their own faith. So we've created a series of sermons um, in order to wrestle with these same questions. Over the next six weeks, I'll be preaching on six of the 20 questions. But but we're hoping that for all of you, this will be a bigger experience than just listening to sermons. So we've created some other resources to go along with the series of sermons. We have a community group guide and a companion DVD for use in our community groups that'll help the community groups. Think about these 20 questions as they reflect upon what's important to each in their own lives. The community group idea is simple. It's a six-week commitment, an hour and a half meeting once a week where you work through the guide with other Christians. If you're not a part of a group but think maybe this is the right next step for you, Pastor Tim will be in the lobby after the service and would we'll love to get you hooked up to one. Now, we know that not everybody can be a part of a community group, so we also created a 20 questions devotional guide. And that's something you can pick up as you leave. And this devotional guide is a a daily devotional. And over the course of the 40 days of Lent, you will have worked through all 20 questions reflecting upon your own faith journey. The whole goal of all of this is that we practice these spiritual exercises in order to have a healthy relationship with God. With that, we turn our attention now to Scripture.
1: We have two scripture readings this morning, the first from Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 and 6. And whenever you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, so that they may be seen by others. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward. But whenever you pray, go into your room and shut the door, and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father, who sees in secret, will reward you. Next reading is from the James chapter 5, verses 13 to 18. Are any among you suffering? They should pray. Are any cheerful? They should sing songs of praise. Are any among you sick? They should call for the elders of the church and have them pray over them, anointing them with oil in the name of the Lord. The prayer of faith will save the sick, and the Lord will raise them up and anyone who has committed sins will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The prayer of the righteous is powerful and effective. Elijah was a human being like us and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth yielded its harvest. This has been the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God.
0: Thank you to Voltaire, who provided the music for our video. 20 questions. Our first question today Am I enjoying my prayer life? Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable unto thee, O Lord our God, our rock, and our Redeemer. Amen. There's a great old folk tale about three brothers who were known for their holiness. They lived on a small island and devoted themselves to prayer. One day, a a traveling missionary decided to to sail over to them to talk with them about prayer. Upon arrival, he was greeted by these three brothers, and he asked them how they prayed. Well, the three brothers all responded at the same time. We pray, we are three, thou art one oh God. That's it, the missionary said? That's all you pray? And they said, yes. And he said, well, let me teach you how to pray. And so he taught them some phrases, one phrase after another, after another. Beautiful prayer he taught them, having them repeat after him, one phrase at a time, until he thought they had it. And then he got back on his boat to sail off feeling satisfied that he had been helpful to the three brothers. Well, no sooner than he set sail than he saw a strange sight, he saw the three brothers running across the top of the water toward him, yelling out, saying, we can't remember the second phrase. That's when the missionary realized he didn't know anything about prayer. He needed to be learning from them. Prayer is not about saying the right thing or saying things in some eloquent kind of way. Prayer is primarily about a relationship. Prayer is not about us getting what we want. Prayer is primarily about a relationship. And prayer is not about us finding favor with God. You know, if I pray three times, God will notice and bless me. A prayer is primarily about a relationship. And as is the case with every healthy relationship, a good relationship requires good communication. And that's what prayer is. Prayer is talking to God and it is listening to God. We talk to God in all kinds of ways and God talks to us in all kinds of ways. Now, I don't know what it is about us human beings, but we love to put labels, names on things. And so we put names on different ways that we talk to God. A good analogy would be thinking about my relationship with my wife, Jerry. We have a a wonderful relationship and we communicate well. Sometimes I talk to her. Sometimes I listen to her. And sometimes when I'm talking to her, I tell her I love her. Now, in prayer talk, when we're talking to God and say that, we call that a prayer of adoration. We put names on these things. Sometimes when I'm talking with my wife, Jerry, I thank her for something she's done. In prayer talk, when we're praying to God, we call that a prayer of thanksgiving. Right. Sometimes when I'm talking with her, I have to apologize for something I have done, or something that I have not done. Hopefully not too often, but I do have to apologize sometimes. And in prayer talk, talking with God, we call that a prayer of of confession. Sometimes when I am talking with her, I whine and complain. Not about anybody here, okay? (laughs) Not about anybody here. It's more likely about the condition of our world. Well, in prayer talk, talking to God in that way, we call that a prayer of lament. Sometimes when I'm talking to Jerry, I tell her something that I need. And in prayer, we call that a prayer of petition or of supplication. Sometimes when I'm talking with Jerry, I tell her something I hope for somebody else. And when we're praying to God, hoping for something for somebody else, we call that a prayer of Intercession, a prayer of intercession. We lots of different ways that we talk to God. And what's important in all of those ways is simply that we are being honest. It's a healthy relationship, it requires honesty. So we're honest. We open up our heart before God. Well, God speaks to us too. And so part of good communication is listening. And behind this Practice of listening to God is the belief that our God still speaks and has something to say to our lives. There are lots of different ways that God will speak to us. Sometimes God speaks to us. Some people share this with me that they've heard God speak in an audible voice that comes from somewhere beyond themselves. You know, something like, Moses, Moses take off your shoes, you're standing on holy ground. Well, some people have that experience. I've never had that experience. For me, God tends to speak to me in three different ways. The first way is that still small voice, that inner voice, where a word will come to me or an idea will come to me or a feeling will come to me. This sense comes to me. It's the prompting of the spirit that's at work in my life. And I can feel it or I can hear it. And sometimes it happens when I'm praying. Sometimes it happens when I'm dreaming. Sometimes it happens when I'm doing something else. But God still speaks. It's one way that God speaks to me. Another way, and this is probably the most common way that God speaks maybe to all of us. And that is that God speaks to us through other people. It's a fundamental belief of the Christian faith that God chooses to work through people to accomplish God's will and God's purpose in his world. So if God's choosing to work through us, God can speak through us. Sometimes you'll say something, and it'll strike a chord with me, in me, and you may not even be aware that you have said something that makes that kind of difference in my life, but I hear in it God saying something to me, speaking to me. Maybe you've had that experience. Another way that God speaks to us, speaks to me, is through signs. Remember what a sign is? A sign is an ordinary event with extraordinary meaning. An ordinary event with extraordinary meaning. For an outsider looking in, they would say, it's just, it's just a coincidence. But for those of us who experience the sign, we know otherwise. We know it is God who has spoken to us in some way way i've experienced lots of signs in my life just this past week in bible study carl rogers reminded me of one of those powerful moments where a sign came to me i'm going to talk about the Scobys here now so giving you a fair warning okay Uh, this is a story of how it was that i came to be here at desert spring and i'm not going to tell you the whole story it's kind of a long story but just very very quickly when i was the superintendent at the time and and Pastor Tom Maddock, who was serving this church, was getting ready to leave. We're good friends. And Tom said to me, David, you need to leave the cabinet and come serve this church. Well, it was year five of a six-year term, and I don't quit early. I don't. And so I didn't entertain it for a moment. I just went back to my job, to my life, expecting to fulfill six years of, of superintendency. And that was it. About a month later, I was at a continuing education event, Soul Fiesta, down outside of Mesa, Arizona. We had a keynote speaker from South Africa named Trevor Hudson. And Trevor was talking about his own life, but as he was talking about his life, he was talking about my life. And I started feeling this sense of conviction, like God was speaking to me saying, I needed to leave the cabinet and come to this church. Well, it got worse because every time we took a break, my colleagues would come over to me and say, David, he's talking about you. And it got so bad, the sense of conviction just grew up and it got so bad that I finally just had to get out of there. And so I got in my car and I drove away. I drove a couple of miles, I saw a restaurant, I pulled over, I figured I'll go in and get something to eat and just think for a little while, clear my head and think for a little while. I walk into the restaurant and sitting there are Bill and Sharon Scobie who invited me to sit with them and proceeded to tell me all about Desert Spring. And it's like, okay, God, I get it. I get it. Now, to an outsider, it may seem like a coincidence that the Scobys were there when I came walking in, but I knew it was a sign from God. I knew that. That's one of the ways that God speaks. Sometimes God speaks through signs. Sometimes God speaks through other people. Sometimes God speaks with a still small voice, this urging of the spirit, and sometimes God speaks in his audible voice that we can hear, but God speaks. And when God speaks, God has a lot to say, just like we have a lot to say to God. God has a lot to say to us. Sometimes when God speaks, we feel this overwhelming sense that there is something we are supposed to do. That happens often when God speaks something we are supposed to do. But sometimes when God speaks, we feel this overwhelming sense of love. Sometimes when God speaks, we are convicted and we know that there's something that needs to change in our life. Sometimes when God speaks, we feel a sense of assurance or encouragement or comfort. Sometimes when God speaks, we're brought to our knees. God speaks in lots and lots of ways. Prayer is about a relationship. It's us talking to God and listening to God. So, are you enjoying your prayer life? Now, enjoying and prayer aren't two words we usually put together. It's kind of like Happy Lent, right? But if we stop and think about that question, we know that what is really being asked is, are we finding our prayer life to be meaningful? Is it drawing us ever deeper into the very heart of God? Are you enjoying your prayer life? Well, I've been saying all along that prayer is primarily about a relationship. But that's not all that it's about. Prayer is also one of the ways that we serve God. And this is going to take us a little bit into the mystery of prayer. And in order to understand what I'm talking about, it's important to remember that our faith is a covenant faith. Our relationship with God happens within a covenant where we've made promises to God and God has made promises to us. We promise to God that we will serve God. God promises to work through our effort to accomplish things in this world. And one of the ways that God works through us is through prayer. Prayer is a way that God works through us to accomplish things in this world. And when the people of God pray, powerful things can happen. I remember a story that comes from my time in Camp Verde. We had just endured the 100-year flood. It was horrible. A town of 6,000 people, 260 homes washed down the river. It was horrible. The waters are finally receding. We gathered at the church for Bible study and prayer. And during the prayer, I asked for prayer requests. And sweet little Margaret, one of the farmers in the area, and a prayer warrior, a saint of a woman, Margaret said, Pastor, I hate to ask for this, but I need to pray for rain. And I said, Margaret, we're not praying for rain. We're still trying to dry out from the flood. We're not praying for rain. And she said, my my farm, the sprouts are about this tall, and they just need a little bit of rain. It'll help them a lot. I go, okay, Margaret, we'll pray for rain. And so we prayed for just a little bit of rain for Margaret's farm. Well, the next Sunday, Margaret, or the next Tuesday, Margaret came back to Bible study, and during our prayer time, she thanked God that she would received that little bit of rain. And I said, Margaret, it didn't rain. And she said, oh, yeah. The day that we prayed, later that afternoon, one little cloud in the sky, and it just rained a little bit over my farm, just enough for. And I'm thinking, Margaret, you're a dangerous woman. <laughs> Miracle? Miracle? I mean, God chooses to work through God's people to accomplish things in this world. And prayer is one of the ways that we serve God. It's why we take time in church and worship to do what we call intercessory prayer, where we pray for people that we're concerned about because we believe that when we pray for them, something's going to happen. Something's going to happen that God's going to work through that and accomplish something. And this is part of the mystery because when we flip this idea over a little bit, it makes you wonder, are there things God's waiting to do until the people of God pray? Maybe. God chooses to work through our prayers to accomplish things in this world. James is talking about this. When you heard the scripture read just a few moments ago, he says, if there's somebody sick, call the elders, lay hands upon them, pray for them, because the prayers of the righteous are powerful. And this does take us into the very mystery of this idea of prayer. Because in my ministry, I have seen a lot. I have seen the people of God pray for somebody who is sick, and I have seen miracles. I have seen miracles such that doctors would say, there is no other explanation. It is a miracle. We know that God works through prayer, but I've also seen the people of God pray, and pray fervently, and pray earnestly for someone And it seems as though the prayer is never answered. And we wonder why. Why this one is healed. And this one, it seems as though nothing ever happens. We wonder why. And for me, I don't have an answer to the question. There's something very mysterious about it all the deeper I go into this mystery that is God, the more I recognize I just don't know. In fact, I don't think I'm capable of understanding all the ways of God and how God works in this world. I don't even know what to say. But this I know. Prayer is a gift from God. And this I know. God does work through God's people. God works through the prayers of God's people to accomplish things in this world. And this I know, God is good. And God wants what is good for God's people. And so, in the midst of my confusion and questioning, I just end up in a place of trust. I simply choose to trust that God knows more than I know. That God can see more than I can see. That God understands more than I can ever understand. I choose to trust that, that the prayers of the people of God are doing something. Maybe not what we've asked for. Maybe not even something that we can see. But there's something that comes about when the people of God pray. I just choose to trust And the more I trust, the more I find myself going deeper into the very heart of God, that relationship with God. And there, in the very heart of God, well, it ends up, I'm not so certain I have much to say at all. Maybe just, thou art one. Thank you. Amen. Amen.